Happy Sabbath, JCC family. Ain't nothing like the Sabbath day. I love this day because it's a day to worship, but also it's a day where we get to hear the word of God. And also I want to welcome you to the Power Hour. This is our time where we get empowered by the Spirit because we believe that it is not by might, nor by power, but by His Spirit. Amen. It is His Spirit that gives us power and strength and I know that it's His Spirit that is going to give us strength uh, today. Today is the final and last installation of our series, Just Pray It. Now check it. If you missed any of the sermons that I've preached, you can go on YouTube at the handle Jakarta Center Church. And then there are those tabs on our page. And there's a tab for videos. Just click that one. And you're going to find all of the sermons that I've been preaching in this series. And you're going to be blessed by what God has to say. So yeah, if you haven't caught up or you've missed something, go right there. And I believe that God is going to bless you. Now for today, I want us to scroll over from Matthew and land over in Luke chapter 18. And I want to pick it up in verse number number one. Now, many people call this passage the parable of the persistent widow. I have a problem with that title because it puts more emphasis on the creature than the creator. Because anything we read in the Bible is more about the creator than the creature. The stories of Samson or Moses or Joseph, they're not about a human being, but it's about how God is operating in each one of these human beings to show us who he is and what he can do in our lives, right? So though we call this a parable of the persistent widow, but I'm interested in calling this parable uh, the parable that shows us how God worked in this persistent widow. The parable that shows us how God worked in this persistent widow. So I want to pick it up in verse number one and it says something interesting and you will notice that it will give us its purpose at the very beginning uh, when you're listening to sermons something that you should pay attention to is that sermons are either inductive or they're deductive inductive meaning that the point of the sermon will be at the end deductive meaning that the point will be at the beginning this parable is deductive. It gives us the point at the beginning, right? So we get the point at the beginning and we don't need to misinterpret it or misunderstand it. So notice what it says, uh, giving us this point in verse number one. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. That's the point right there. In verse number one, the point is persist in prayer and don't ever, ever, ever give up. That's what it is. That's the point. Everything else is just going to build on this idea. So notice how Jesus builds the idea. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, 
Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And God, and will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he'll give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth. I'll preach the title, How Much More? How Much More? Let us pray. Father God, help me to represent you. And help me, Lord, to help somebody be a representative of you. And help me, Lord, not to misrepresent you right now. Give my mind, my mouth clarity concision of speech, and conviction of heart. This I humbly pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. When we read this parable, we focus on the persistent widow and the resistant judge. And we are right to do that. We have a situation here of a, a widow. She's a widow because she has lost her husband. And being a widow, it means that she is helpless. It so happens that in Israel, widows or orphans or foreigners, they were the least protected members of society. If you're a widow, it meant that you lost your property, you, you lost your land. And losing your land, it meant that you had no identity. Unless, like in the case of Naomi, uh, a Boaz stood in for you and made sure that you received your titles back and you had your piece of land back. So I, I don't know her story quite well, but... She's a widow and she's in a tough situation. She must fend herself. The only way she can eat is by going around some farms and picking up the leftovers and gathering those and making some flour for herself to make some kind of flat bread and then probably some kind of stew. And that's probably how she is sustaining herself. Uh, this widow is, like any widow, she's struggling, she's having a challenge, but she has been wronged by somebody. Who has wronged her, we do not know, but I just want to imagine maybe it's her, her brother-in-law. Maybe it's her own brother, maybe it's her own, her own siblings, it's it's maybe a friend, it's maybe a neighbor, somebody has wronged her and she has decided to take this wrong and bring it up to a judge. 
for some good reason, her case is airtight. She has the right arguments. She has the right evidence. Now she just needs a judge to sort it out for her. So she goes to the judge in the city and she asks for a hearing. But he says, I have no time. She's sad about this, of course, and she goes back home. And the next day she dresses up, she takes her papers with her, and she goes again to the courtroom and says, Judge, I would like you to hear my case. And the judge says, I have no time for you, lady, not today. And again, she leaves and she goes. I don't know if you can relate to this woman, but perhaps you have been there that you have the right case. You have the right argument. You have the right evidence, but you just don't have the right audience. You don't have the right people to hear you out. You don't have the right people to hear your story. Or the people that should hear your story are simply turning their backs on you. You are not in a position of power. You're in a position that you are powerless and you're seeking the powerful to address your case, but they are not able to because they just don't want to. This is the situation in which this woman finds herself. She has found herself in a situation in which the powerful, the authoritative do not want to take care of her case. Instead of finding assistance, she meets resistance. And every day that she knocks on the door of the judge, it's resistance after resistance after resistance, but she does not give up. All she does is persist. She keeps coming back to his door and keeps knocking on his door because she believes in her case. She believes in her argument. She believes in her evidence. She believes in her witnesses. She believes in her situation. She believes in her dreams. She believes in this situation. And therefore, she will not give in. She will not give up. She will not quit. She will not faint. She will not tire. I hope somebody is hearing me right now. That is, if you believe in it, don't quit it. If you believe in it, don't faint in it. If you believe in it, don't tire in it. If you believe in it, keep on going. Keep on pushing. Keep on pulling through. If you believe in it, you have to go on. I don't know. Perhaps it's that dream. Perhaps it's that plan. Perhaps it's that dream person. Keep on pushing, my brother. Keep on pushing, my sister. And this widow says, I believe in my situation. I believe in my case. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give in. So she goes to the judge again and again and again. She persists, but she meets resistance. She persists, but she meets resistance until one day she meets assistance when the judge says, you know what? I really care for no human beings, nor do I fear God. Like, I really don't care about God. I don't care about his word. I don't care about his laws. I'm not a Christian. You know what I mean? I'm an agnostic. I'm a, 
a, a theistic. In fact, I'm a deist. I don't even believe in this God anyway. And I really don't care about people. I don't care if somebody is poor or sick. I don't care if they have a title or not. That matters to me for whatsoever. What really matters to me is about myself, about my peace, about my prosperity, about me. This woman is getting on my nerves. She's disturbing my peace. Therefore, I'm going to answer her request. And this woman got her assistance because of annoyance. And brother and sister, I just want you to understand that sometimes when you believe in what you believe in, that dream, that plan, that project, that career, somebody will give you assistance out of annoyance. Not because they believe in it, not because they see what you see, not because they have the same vision that you have, but simply because they want you to get off their back. But praise God that sometimes he might use annoyance to give you the assistance that you need to take you over the top. It always doesn't have to be sweet. It always doesn't have to look good. You just need the assistance. And however it comes, it does not matter as long as it comes. But what the story teaches you and I is that you and I must persist. And when Jesus was looking at this woman's situation, he wanted us to take her story and apply it to our prayer experience. And he wanted us to understand that we need to utilize the weapon of persistence in prayer. That sometimes we should not give up or give in when we are praying. We should never faint. We should never quit. We should never tire. But like this woman, we need to persist and push on. Because Jesus could see. He could foresee that life would sometimes become challenging. That life sometimes would become demanding to the point that you and I would want to quit. That Jesus could foresee that some of us would look at our prayer requests that we've been praying to God for a week or two months. And by not getting an answer over those requests, we would say, I'm tired and want to give up. Jesus could foresee this and he could, he, he wanted us to say, never ever should I ever put it in my lips that I'm going to quit. That I will always want to persist. Uh, let me just pause right there and talk to you. You see, the partner of prayer is persistence and that some of us do not know how to persist because we feel that the moment we have given God our prayer request, he should deliver it right away. And when we do not see God deliver it right away, we give up and we quit praying. We say, well, God is never going to answer my prayer anyway. And we stop right there. But I need you to understand that we should never ever put those, th those words in our minds, nor should we ever utter them. But when we have a prayer request, and as long as it hasn't been answered, <laughs> right there, as long as it hasn't been answered by God, you need to keep getting on your knees and persisting and continue to pray. Even if you feel like God is resisting you because prayer functions in the context of a persistence or persistence 
or persistence. Let me say it correctly. You see, one of the things that, um, that has helped me uh, lately is data. When my Wi-Fi wants to act up, because sometimes I will get a video call or I'll get a WhatsApp audio call. And when I'm talking, I start to hear that beep, ding, ding, ding. that shows you that there's poor connection. And you can even see on the screen, it says poor connection. The moment I see poor connection, you know what I do? I don't say, well, I'm not going to talk anymore. This is so frustrating. This is so tiring. And I'm going to just hang up the phone, blah, blah, blah. I don't do that. What I do is I turn on my data from my Wi-Fi because I've noticed that my Wi-Fi is up and down. So when it's up and down, it's what's giving me poor signal. So what I do is I simply turn on my data and the poor signal goes away and I'm able to carry on my conversation in spite of my Wi-Fi having difficulties. Oh, I'm coming right now. You see, that is how prayer is supposed to function in our lives. That is how prayer is supposed to carry us through like my data. When it is difficult, it is not time to give up. It is time to pray so that prayer will get us through the challenge and we're able to finish that call. We're able to finish that job application. We're able to finish that interview. We're able to finish that marathon. We're able to finish that difficult project that we've been given by a boss. We're able to finish that difficult conversation. We're able to finish that regiment given to us by a doctor. We're able to finish the challenges that we're facing. When we Tap into the power of prayer using the weapon of persistence. And you and I are supposed to learn this from this woman. And this is the point that Jesus is driving at. That you and I are to always pray and to never lose heart. We're supposed to persist. We're supposed to have our muscles up when it becomes hard. We're supposed to train ourselves. And that's what persistence is able to do. Now, now, I want you to notice that while Jesus addresses persistence in this parable, persistence is really a surface issue in this, in this parable. Because Jesus is after something else in this particular parable. And I want you to notice it when you look at verse number 6 and verse number 7. And the Lord said, now these are the words of, 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 of Luke, the narrator, right? And he, 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 when he says, and the Lord said, he is looking at now how Jesus interpreted the story of the persistent widow. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. Here is what I want you to pay attention to. You see, Jesus is, 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 this is really what he's after in this parable. He's after what the judge says. Now, what did the judge say? Notice what the judge said. Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. This is what Jesus is saying. Look at how the judge treated this woman. Look at how this powerful man treated this powerless lady. This powerful man, though he was annoyed by her, ended up giving her her request. <laughs> notice, 
Notice what Jesus is pointing to. Then notice what Jesus says in verse number 7. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? In other words, Jesus is saying, if the judge was able to give this powerless woman her request, how much more, <laughs> how much more will the powerful God give justice to his elect who are asking him for justice? If a wicked judge can give a powerless woman her request, how much more with the, will the righteous judge, the almighty God, give justice to his elect that ask of him? In other words, what Jesus is after in this parable is not persistence. Jesus is after a contrast. Jesus wants to show us how God operates. Jesus wants to show us how much greater God is than anything that we have on this planet. How much greater God is than anything that we, we receive on this planet. Jesus is saying, look at God for a moment. He doesn't treat you or handle you like people. People may want to show you that they have power. People may want to show you that they have greatness. People may want to show you that they have authority and they may be making you, they may be turning you down because they want to show you that they have power. People may treat you with annoyance, but God never ever treats you like that. <laughs> you are his elect. You are his chosen. And when you approach him with a request, he does not meet it or he doesn't treat you with resistance. He gives you assistance. He treats you like you should be treated. He treats you like a person of dignity. And I want somebody to understand me today. God treats you as a person of dignity. And you do not need to feel the way you do not need to feel the way you do not need to feel towards God. The way that somebody else is treating you. Somebody may have a thumb over your head. Somebody may have their foot over your neck. Someone may be beating you down and destroying your character. Someone may not have somebody may not have dependence on you. Someone may think that you are a fool. Some may feel like you don't have any dignity. Someone may throw money in your face. But that is not how God treats you. Hallelujah, somebody. God treats you with dignity. <laughs> God treats you with fame. God treats you with the right name. And that name is, you are his son. You are his daughter. And when you come to him, he's not annoyed by you. You see, the, 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 the Jews had this teaching that, you should only pray to God at least three, no more than three times a day because you do not want to bother God. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Jesus is saying, squash that. God is never annoyed by you. God is never bothered by you. Now, I may be bothered by you. If you keep calling me and texting me, I may be bothered by that. 
because I'm a human being. My, my, my level of uh, 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 ability to, to, to deal with you or to bear may, may have limitation. My, my patience may level out. <laughs> but God's patience never, ever levels out. Amen? And that is why you and I should ever persist in prayer. That is why you and I should ever continue to press through in prayer. And this is the contrast Jesus wants us to see about how God treats us and how others treat us. And that is to give us hope and courage today. And that God is not going to let us down and that God is never going to turn his back on us. Isn't that good news today? And, 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 and this is the point Jesus is saying, how much more, <laughs> how much greater is going to be? You think you got it good now? How much more can God make it good for you? How much greater will it be for you? You see, I learned this idea when I started to work. You see, all throughout high school, my parents gave me pocket money for lunch every day. Throughout high school, my parents would buy me clothes and shoes. But when I started to work, I learned that the more hours I put in, the more I got. With my parents, the amount that they gave me was limited. It had a certain amount. For, for, for offering, it was $2. For lunch money, it was $5. But when I started to work doing summertime jobs, you know, these, these odd jobs, these little jobs that you do, you know, summertime jobs, I realized, wait a minute, if I work two hours, I get $20. <laughs> If I work three hours, it becomes $30. <laughs> I realized that the more I put in, the more I got. And if I wanted to simply lean on my parents, I would not get as much as I could get. But when I put in more, I got more. And that's what I want somebody here to understand. When you put more into God, you get much, much more. What you have now is... is is little in comparison to how much more God is going to give you. You have wealth now, that's good. But I want you to think how much more wealth you're going to have with God. You have health now. You feel healthy. You feel joyful. I want you to think how much more you're going to have with God. <laughs> you have security now. <laughs> you have you have a loving wife now. You have a, a, a faithful husband now. You have a good job now. I want you to think how much more is going to be with God. This is what Jesus is trying to get at. That what we have on this planet, what we have in our bank account, what we have on earth, pales in comparison to how much more God is willing to give us. And if people are willing to give us a paycheck... If people are willing to give us a promotion, if people are willing to give us a gift, 
How much more is God willing to give us? If people give us their things with ill motives, if people give us their things wanting to show us that they have power over us, how much more God is willing to give us and bestow on us? My point is, let's not limit ourselves on the things that we have. Let's expand our vision, our perspective, and look at God, who is the king of the universe. Look at God, who owns everything. Look at God, who created the world in six days, and he spoke everything into existence. Look at God, who is truly the one who has the power and ability to change our lives. Let's stop looking at human beings who are limited in their perspective, who are limited in their effectivity, who are limited in their efficiency, and let us start looking at God who is limitless and who has power beyond measure. How much more is God able to give us? Paul would say, God is able to give us abundantly above, beyond all that we can ask or think or imagine. Jesus said, I have come to give you the abundant life. You think of an abundant life now? Jesus can take your life over the top because he's able to give us much, much, much more. And so when you and I are praying, watch me now, when you and I are praying, we should pray more because we know we're praying to somebody who can give us much, much, much more. Doesn't that change the perspective now of prayer? I'm not going to beg God like, Lord, please, you know, I don't know if you can do this for me. Please, Lord, I would like you to, if, if possible, you can give me a promotion, God, you know. Mm -mm. I'm not saying we have to be disrespectful in prayer, but when we now know that God can give us a lot more than any human being can, I no longer go to prayer as a beggar, I go to prayer from a perspective of somebody who knows God can give me something. I can give me something that I need. So now my prayer is not, Lord, if you can, it's more like, Lord, when you can, in your perspective, in your wishes for me, please give me. Because whatever it is that I have now, pales in comparison to what you can give me. Now, 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 here is something that now you and I should appreciate. That when God has closed a specific door or he has misdirected us in a different direction, that direction is more than what we have now. That should give us the peace to be able to uproot ourselves and plant ourselves in a new situation, in a new job, in a new career path if God is leading us that way because we know that God is able to give us much more. Are you following what I'm saying? So now my prayer dynamic is different. I don't pray from a place of, oh, oh, I'm, I'm doubting. No, I pray now from a place of confidence and now I move my life in a, in a sphere of confidence because I know that wherever God is leading me is much more than where I am right now. I follow what I'm saying. Where I am now is much, much more 
than where where I'm going is much, much more than where I am right now. And that's what I need somebody here to understand. Let's not cling on to things. Let's not cling on to people. Let's not cling on to situations. Let's cling on to God who can always bring us to more situations, much better situations, much better people, much better influences. That's what you and I need to understand when we have God in our corner. And that is what Jesus is saying. Men are to always pray and not lose heart. Why? Because of the more that they have in God. Because of the more that they have in their Father in heaven. But a lot of times, men do not pray. Women do not pray. Youth do not pray. Children do not pray because they think, oh my goodness, all I have, all I can get in this, in this world is what I'm looking at right now. All I can have is what my parents offer me. All I can have is what my boyfriend or my girlfriend offers me. All that I can have is all that my job offers me. No, no, no. I came to tell you today, that's not the truth. God is able to give you much, much more than you can ask or think or imagine. And therefore, do not live your life dependent on people, dependent on circumstances, dependent on situations. Live your life dependent on God. And even when it's hard, allow your prayer life to keep you moving, even when it's hard, allow your prayer life to keep you pushing through and moving forward. And that is how you're going to be able to survive. That is how you're going to be able to make it. Hallelujah, somebody. And this is what Jesus is getting to in this parable. It's not about the persistent widow. It's about the assisting Assisting God. Just like many of you, as I've been preaching, you can see a bit of a blur on the screen. Uh, the reason for that is because my camera is not so sophisticated. So when I make movements, it becomes blurry and you don't see me clearly, although you hear my voice. I want you to understand that when you're operating with God, it's going to be blurry, but you're going to be able to hear his voice. And that's all that matters sometimes. That as long as you can be able to hear God's voice, you need to be able to keep on moving and keep on trudging forward and allowing him to move you forward. Do not allow the blurry to keep away the message of God for you. <laughs> rather let the, the, the blurriness, the blindness, not keep the message away from you, but rather keep your eye, your ears open to be able to hear God better so that you can know the direction in which he is moving you towards. But I, I, I want to drop something in your spirit. This parable really is not so much about how much more God can give us. It really has to do with how much faith we have. How much more faith we have. Because notice what Jesus says in verse number eight, but I want to pick up verse number seven and then drop it again in verse number, number eight. Again, don't focus on what's blurry. Focus on the message. And will not God give justice to his elect who cried to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. 
Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Did you catch it right there? So, so here is where Jesus is getting at. He says, how much faith will the Son of Man find when he comes? How much faith? That's a question. So it, it, the issue is never about what God can do. The issue is how much we are willing to invest in trusting him. How much faith we're willing to invest in him. Now, now, right here, let's just work on this passage a little bit because the text says he will give justice and speedily. Just is saying God will act speedily. He'll, he'll act with speed. But you and I know that sometimes when we're praying to God, he doesn't act with speed. I know some of you have been waiting to get married. It's been 10 years already. Where is the speed in that? You've been waiting to have kids. You're over 40. Where is the speed in that? You've been waiting for your business to take off. It's been six years. Where is the speed in that? Here the text says, God will, will act speedily. When we ask, God will act speedily. But sometimes when we do ask, He doesn't act with speed. God sometimes turns you into a turtle. And you're like, Lord, can you be a cheater sometimes? But sometimes God feels like a turtle. But I want you to understand that that's not the issue in the passage. The issue is what Jesus says. Yes, God is saying, I'll act speedily. But the question is, will I find faith? Will I find faith? Now, here is where we need to shape the context of this passage clearly so that we understand what's going on. Notice what it takes. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So this parable has a wider context. It is dealing with the parousia or the parousia. The parousia or the parousia refers to the second coming of Jesus. So, so now we need to put all of our delayed requests or the things that we're waiting God to do for us in the perspective of the parousia or the second coming of Jesus. In other words, God is after something much, much, much bigger. In this text, we can say that those who are praying to God, asking for God to intervene and move on their life, may not get their prayers answered because God is working on something bigger, which is the parousia or the second coming. So then the issue is when that actually happens, the question is, will those who have been asking God to do something for them still have that faith in him? So the point of, of this for us to make sense to it and, and to, to relate to it is that when you and I are asking God to do things and things are being delayed, the issue is we always need to understand that there is something bigger God is working on. There is something larger God is working on. And that whatever we're asking for needs to be put in the context of that larger thing whatever it may be in our lives at that particular moment. But in the wider context of this passage, you and I need to understand that we are living in, 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 in the time before the parousia, before the second coming of Jesus. And what that means is that when things are not happening as they should be happening, 
we should not be disappointed because the delay has a purpose because God is working on something much, much bigger. And the issue is between the delay and the fulfillment, are you and I going to be faithful and have our faith intact? Are you and I still going to persist and hold on to God even if what we're asking for has not been granted? Because what matters most is not so much what we're asking for. What matters is what God is trying to do and accomplish in our lives. I do not know why God is not giving you that child. I don't know why God is not giving you that family. I don't know why God is not allowing that business to take off the ground. I don't know why you're still sick today. I don't know why you're still struggling and having arguments in your family life and your brothers and your sisters. Things are not working, working well. I don't know why you feel like you haven't found a career yet. I don't know why after applying to so many uh, companies you haven't been hired. I don't know why you've been passed over the promotion 10 times. I don't know why, but I, I can see from this passage that God is working on something much, much bigger. And the question is, are you going to maintain your faith when you don't see God fulfill his promises in your life in the way you expect them to be fulfilled? Are you going to maintain faith when you don't see God fulfill his promises in your life? the way you expect them to be fulfilled. Are you still going to stay strong and committed to him when God hasn't come through for you in the way you think he should come through for you? Are you going to stay committed when you don't see yourself being promoted? Are you going to stay committed when you don't see yourself getting that career that you want? Are you going to stay, stay committed when you don't see yourself becoming the parent that you want to be? Are you going to stay, stay committed when you don't see God giving you the family that you desire? Are you still going to stay committed when you don't see God giving you the business that you think you should have? Are you still going to stay faithful when you don't see God come through for you? This is the issue of the matter. That sometimes God is not, that sometimes God is simply testing us. Are we still going to stay faithful? Or are we going to make moves and change? When the Son of Man comes, will he find you faithful? Will he find you committed? How much faith? How much faith will God find? We're living in such a day that what matters most now is faith in God. We're living in, time, in a time in which Jesus is about to come. We're living in a time in which things are not going to get better on this planet. We will need to get used to living with the pandemic. We'll need to get used to doing things online. Things are not going to get better. But Jesus is coming. But the question is, are you and I going to stay? To stay faithful. And one of the ways in which we stay faithful is for us to persist in prayer. Because we know God is going to give us so much more. So when we pray, we continue to pray. Even though God is not answering our prayers as we think we should be answering. We are strengthening our faith. We are staying faithful. We are staying committed. And this is what prayer is supposed to accomplish for you and I. And this is what you and I need to do for ourselves. And for our faith experience. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith 
in you? Will he find you committed? Will he find you yours? Will he found will he find you his? Every head is bowed, every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Father God, we have heard your word. Thank you for speaking life into us. May you strengthen us. May you guide us. We humbly ask and pray all of this in the loving and awesome name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey there. Did that word touch you? Did it speak to your heart? Do you want to give your life to Jesus Christ? I want you to know that today is the day you can do that. Do not delay. Do not wait any longer. The number on the screen, JCC hotline number is where you can connect with us. Drop us a message and we'd be more than happy to reach out to you. We want you to have a life-changing experience and we know that the only place and the only person who can do that for you is Jesus Christ. So may God bless you and strengthen you. And once again, I want to talk to anybody who has been impressed by God to give something, to contribute to this ministry, to connect with us and to help us to do our mission to the fullest of our ability. And you can also give at the account on the screen. May God bless you and take care of you. And I'm going to see you real soon. Peace.